and sow it into the thing because he's setting you up for something bigger. Because you can't sow 10 grand and he not multiply it good measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. You say, why are you talking about money? Because in this season of divine increase, we need to touch the realm of finances. Can we get an amen? How many people need to get out of debt? How many need to pay their cars off? How many need to pay for their children's college education? Who's got dreams and desires and things that they want to accomplish? Who's got financial needs in their life? You know why certain people get upset when we talk about money in church? Because money's their God. It's their idol. And when you play with people's idols, they get mad. You touch the person next to you say, that's not you. <laughs> and so the minute that we put that money in his hand, the Lord spoke to me again and said, now I want you to give 5000 to another pastor. And I was like, okay, God, you are wearing me out here. At the same time, we're going to give him 10 grand, and now the, his, senior, his associate pastor, we're going to give him five grand. I have no idea where the money's coming from. Do you know that I got a phone call, and I was asked to minister at a church, and the pastor there decided that he was personally going to give me $5,000. In that year, we gave about $30,000 over and above our normal tithes and offerings. Because the Lord said, give it, and he provided the seed for us to sow it. Are you with me? That year, we gave $228,000 as a church, where the year before, our income was only $125,000. How? What would it look like in your house if God doubled your income in the next 12 months? You see, some of you are like, I don't know if that's possible. Why? Because you're looking at your hands at what you can do. You're looking at your level of intelligence and what you can calculate. But there's something God wants to do by the Spirit, which brings divine increase that has nothing to do with you. It's according to the glory of His riches, His ability to provide, His ability to release resources through your life. So here we are in 2023, and the Lord spoke to us, and He said, you're in a season of divine increase. Because the seed we sowed back then is coming back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Are you with me? Are you with me, people? And so, you know, you say, well, I wasn't here in 2021, but you're here now. And you somehow got connected to the tribe that has this anointing over here that's going to bring divine increase to your life. And so it's going to hit everybody in this place, if you want it. Say, I said it's coming to everybody in this place, if, if you want it. You don't have to have this. You don't have to have it. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into it. The, my wife and I, I won't say it yet. Moving right along. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And so we're in a season of divine increase. The Lord's gave, given us this passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says in verse 10, The Lord will soon bring you into the land He swore to give you when He made a vow to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build. Houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw cisterns from uh, water from cisterns you did not dig. 
You will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill in the land, be careful. Look at someone say, be careful. Warning. Do not forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve Him. And so we have to be careful that in our abundance and in our prosperity that we don't forget God. Look at somebody and tell them, don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says in verse 6, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land flowing with streams and pools of water, with fountains and springs that gush out into the valleys and the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. Woo! It is, it's just the blessing. Can we get an amen? It is a land where food is plentiful. Nothing is lacking. Say, nothing is lacking. Say, I'm in abundance. It says, it is a land where iron is common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your full, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. But be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes, with a capital S right there, homes, to live in. And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Now, is he talking about spiritual things? It sounds like he's talking about silver and gold and cattle and sheep. Say business and finances and wealth and resources. He says, do not become proud. Well, look at my Gucci's, baby. Look at my car, honey. Look at my stallion that I'm riding. It's not a mule like you're driving. I got a thoroughbred stallion. You're driving a mule. Do not become proud at that time. And forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You wouldn't be walking in this blessing if he didn't deliver you. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions. How many times did you almost die when you lived your own way? Had the Lord not saved you and protected you and had his hand upon you? We would surely be dead or mangled or in a mental institution or messed up, strung out on drugs. <laughs> and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry, he gave you water from a rock. He, he made a rock give you water. Supernatural provision. He fed you with manna in the wilderness of food unknown to your ancestors. Check this out. And he did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Look at the person next to you say, we got to go through the season of just enough. 
this season of just getting by so that when the Lord blesses you, you'll know you didn't do it in your own strength, that it came from the Lord above. Amen. And you're not going to forget what the Lord has done. I'm here. I'm prophesying. I'm telling you, there is an anointing coming on this house today to every person in this house that is going to accelerate you, that is going to cause you to have divine increase on every side. You're going to see the hand of God provide in ways you've never seen before. And you will look at it and you will say, this is the Lord's doing. This was not done by my hand, by my wisdom, but this is an anointing from God and a blessing of the Lord. Oh, glory. Come on, Jesus. Don't make me run the building, Lord. Don't make me run around the building. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth in my own strength and energy. Verse 18. Remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the power or the ability to produce wealth, to be successful. Why? Say there's a reason for the wealth. Look at three people. Tell them there's reason for the prosperity. There's a purpose for the wealth. And that's for the covenant. What is the covenant? The covenant is I'll take out the stony, stubborn heart. And I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. The heart that'll be moldable and it'll follow me. It'll serve me. And then I'll put my spirit in you. And I will teach you and lead you and guide you. That's what Jesus died for. The covenant for you to have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. For you to get eternal life so that you could walk in relationship with God Almighty. So that you can go back to the Garden of Eden and walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. That you can know His presence. That's the covenant. That's what the wealth is for. Look at the person next to you say, the wealth is to fund the covenant. For people to come to know God. That's God's will. That not one would be lost. So if it's God's will, He sent His one and only Son to the earth to make a way for everyone to be forgiven for their sins and to come back into relationship with God. God has a mission in the earth. Say mission. And that mission has to be funded. And so what God wants to do is He wants to put wealth in people's hands to fund the gospel. How many Fortune 500 companies do you know that are standing for righteousness? I know two companies on the market right now, they went woke. One is called Bud Light, and the other one is Target. One lost $26 billion, and the other one lost $6 billion. Why is it that we're funding ungodly companies that are pushing agendas that are against God, and we as Christians are broke, and we can't fund the gospel? Say, God's going to do it. He's going to raise us up. The reason, last year when we came back from Africa, we launched, we launched Club Pure South Africa, which the Lord spoke to us 15 years ago. And He said, he said I'm going to restore your family. 
<laughs> you're going to build a, start a business. You're going to expand a business. You're going to build a home debt-free. I'm like, God, how are we going to pay for our house debt-free? How? Well, I don't know. How did he bring me the $30,000 to sell last year? I don't know where that came from. I just say, okay, God, it's in your hands. I trust you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I'm going to be shouting, hee-haw. And then he said, you will have an international ministry. And so that happened supernaturally. We sowed $100,000 into setting up Club Pure South Africa, and we had the money. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> and when we sowed it, the Lord replenished it immediately when we got back. But when we got back, the Lord spoke to us. He spoke to me. I was in prayer. And while praying, I had a vision, and I just saw the business arm in the church. I saw it established, thriving, boom. Pastors Mike and Selena were still in South Africa. They had another week or so before they came back following us. And I told the, I told the church, I said, they don't know it. But when they get back, they're stepping into the, the business mantle. They're going to oversee business in the church. They're going to raise up kingdom business, millionaires and billionaires in this house. You say, well, I don't know if you can do it. Oh, it's going to happen. Trust me. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. We're about to see God do something in this house, and He's going to raise up people in the realm of finances. Say, so, yeah, that's me. And so, you know, they have Financial Peace University, get you out of debt, stop bleeding when it comes to money, setting things in order in your finances, and teaching you how to build wealth. Then they're going to help those that believe God has given them a business to put a business plan together and help them in the journey and launching business. And then we have a fellowship for people that already have businesses where God, they're learning the Word of God. They believe in God for resources and for breakthrough to fund the gospel. Can we get an amen? It's not a business group so that you can get another yacht and another plane and another boat and a house in Hawaii. So it's for the kingdom of God, for the covenants. You know, the world will do anything for money. They'll do anything for money. They, they'll, be, they'll hate you, but still work with you because you'll make them money. And in the church, man, if you get a 50 cent raise, and that means you have to leave church on a Sunday, you're gone. It's very sad. It's called poverty mentality. And we're going to break you out of it. Can you say amen? So we're going to tap into unlimited resources. Hallelujah. All right. That was phase 0.1. So finances and resources in the kingdom of God are attached to a heavenly assignment. Say finances and resources in the kingdom of God are attached to the will of God, not my will. If you find God's assignment... You can tap the resources for that assignment. So when God calls somebody in an assignment, in the call is the fullness of provision for that assignment. God would never ask you to do something and not provide the resources for it. Do you know that God has fully provided every resource you need for your life if you'll walk in righteousness and that you will reach the destiny God has for you? You'll never lack because there's supernatural provision that was made available for your life before you were even born. Oh, uh, let me say that again. 
There is no lack in your life if you know the plan of God and you walk in His plan. As you step, the resources show up because they're not by your might. They're by what your Father has provided because He loves you. And you're walking in love and in righteousness. And so when God calls a man and a woman, He gives them an assignment. But God already has a plan for where that thing's going. And He's already laid out the path. And He's already made provision available for that assignment to be fulfilled. Oh, I don't know if you're ready for this. So I was in here praying yesterday. And the Lord, no, let me read this first. Because i got to back it up with some scripture. Go to the book of Hebrews. Man, you gotta, you got to make coffee for your wife, all right? Because Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. This Melchizedek was the king of the city of Salem and also the priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. There's no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. He has no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses requires that the priests who are descendants of Levi, say Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are the descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. Follow me. And Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. Verse 8. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, say in addition. This is where we're getting to. We might even say that the Levites, the one who collect tithes, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, say Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected a tithe from him. What does that mean? That means we talk about generational curses all the time. But the Bible clearly says that when we bring our tithe and our offerings to the Lord, the children that aren't even born yet in our family line are under the blessing. Say generational wealth. So this isn't just going to hit you. This is going to go to your great-grandchildren. What you're doing today for the kingdom of God is going to build generational wealth in your family. Your family line is going to break out of poverty. We hear the stories of all these people that started certain things in the old days. And they became these mega companies. And it's generational wealth being passed on generation to generation to generation. Which isn't being used for God. 
But we're going to have a covenant with the Lord. And we're going to teach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren the purpose for the wealth. Can you say amen? Say we're going to have generational wealth in our family line. Let that settle for a second. I thank you for it, Father. The generational blessing that you shift our minds from all the curses. Because when you bless us, God, the curse is broken. And there's nothing stronger than the blessing. Say, I'm blessed. I've been delivered from the curse of the law. I am in Christ Jesus. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm including the spirit of wisdom, which is the ability to produce wealth. Say, I got it. So yesterday I was in here praying, and the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me, when I called you, I gave you the grace for everything that you need for your ministry. And he said, when people make a decision to connect to the house and surrender, I will take from the call and put a grace on them to produce what the house needs. I'm here to tell you today that God is going to release an anointing from the call to raise up the people to produce whatever the house needs so that the covenant can be fulfilled. The thing that you have to tap into is understanding That the wealth and the resources and the gifting and the wisdom and the favor and all of that blessing comes when you make a commitment to connect to the mission that God has put in the house. Because when you submit to it, it comes upon you. But we want to run our own way, do our own thing all the time. And I'm here to tell you, when when my wife called for surrender this morning, it blew my mind. Because yesterday I was praying and the Lord said to me, everything is tied to surrender. Look at the person next to you say, everything is tied to surrender. You don't get saved unless you surrender your pride and accept that you need a Savior. You don't get baptized until you allow a man to dunk you, surrender to a hand of man, dunking. You don't get filled with the Holy Ghost unless you surrender. Nothing happens. You don't get the open heaven over your life. Unless you surrender the tithe. Nothing just happens. There if you. And if you will recognize. if I'm praying that the Lord will open your spiritual eyes. That you can see what God has called here is not something that Missy and I are capable to do in our own ability and own strength. We just said, yes, God, we'll do it. And because we said yes, it exploded. Where now we're reaching five, six hundred kids every single day. We have an international campus and we're getting ready to build another 6,000 square feet. We're going to buy another seven acres of property. And we have plans for stuff that what God is going to do on this property to have a youth revival break out in our city that will go around the world. You say you're crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. Because I don't have anything. I don't have skill and degree. All I've got is God. I don't even know how we do it. I'm going to cry. But it's His goodness. It's His blessing. Because we said, yes, God. And I'm here to tell you, family, that this isn't just Sunday morning. There is a mission. There is a call. 
And in the call, if you can say, yes, I'll give my life to it, God. I'll follow, God. We'll do it for your kingdom in this region. I'll be part of what you're doing, God. And you'll connect and you'll say, God, raise me up in the ministry of giving. Look at the person next to you and say, Lord, raise me up in the ministry of giving. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you, are you trying to take another offering, Pastor? No. We already did that. But I'm, what I'm doing today is I'm building faith in you. Say, so I'm building faith. If I wanted to manipulate an offering out of you, I would have done this and then received the offering. And let me tell you something. If, if everyone stopped giving today, we, our ministry would still continue. Because our ministry isn't funded through your giving. Our ministry is funded through the business that we created. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Very, very few places are self-sustained. And so what I'm trying to tell you today, guys, is I don't need your money. I don't need it. But God wants to bless you. Look at somebody and say, God wants to bless you. The call has already got everything in it. If you won't connect to it, God will send somebody else to connect to it. You're not in this place by accident today. And let me say this too. There's some of you that are in here today where you have served in other ministries, where you have been faithful, where you have poured out. You're kind of new to this place and maybe, I don't know. But let me tell you something. God's going to reward you for your faithfulness in previous seasons. And you're going to step into divine increase. Can you say amen? So here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's go here. And I want to read some of this because I want to lay a foundation for you. And we'll probably deal with this over the next two, three weeks. But it says in um, 8... Chapter 1, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, say many troubles, and they are very poor, say very poor. So this was a church tested by troubles and poverty, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Look at the person next to you. Say, the Lord can cause you to be generous. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Say, own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Look at the person next to you say, when you tap into the ministry of giving, it is a privilege to be a giver. Say it's an honor. They even did more than we hoped for, hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. So they surrendered their lives first. So we have urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Say ministry of giving. If there's a ministry, then there's an anointing for the ministry. Look at somebody and say, if there's a ministry, a ministry comes from God. 
There's an anointing for that ministry. There's an empowering for that ministry. There's an anointing for that ministry. Say it's a supernatural grace that God gives to you to excel in that ministry. If you're sitting in here and you're thinking about money, you're missing everything that I'm telling you. I promise you. You need to hear what I am telling you. I'm not asking you for an offering. I'm asking you to open your heart, make a decision. You're going to connect to the covenant. And then believe we're going to believe God to put a grace on you, a supernatural ability to bring in more than what you have right now. But you've got to make a decision that I'm going to use it to fund the gospel and not eat it. That's what I'm telling you today. That's the foundation that I'm laying, that God will give you seed to sow and bread to eat. So not only will you receive for yourself to give, but you will increase for yourself at the same time. You say, why are you talking about this? Because I know what it is to be broke and have 250 bucks in my bank account and not be able to give the way I want to. But then an anointing comes and breaks you free and expands you to the point where you become a generous giver. And God has multiplied us 10 times in three years. And He's getting ready to take us to another level. And so I'm telling you what I've broken out of and what we're stepping into. So that you can follow in it yourself. Since you excel in so many ways. Your faith. Your gifted speakers. Thank you, Jesus. Your knowledge. Your enthusiasm. And your love from us. I want you to excel, say excel, also in this gracious act of giving. Look at somebody and say, there's an acceleration. Come in to be a giver. Do you know that the Holy Spirit in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 29 is called the spirit of grace? Say the spirit of grace. See, the Holy Spirit, when He comes upon you, He'll grace you with this gift. There are many gifts in the body of Christ. And I believe today that there's specific key people in here that God is going to put an anointing on and you're going to accelerate in the, in the realm of finance and the ability to give. And, and there's other people in here that are not going to step into that realm, but God's going to have another way of provision for you. Look at the person next to you. Say, there's more than one way for God to provide seed for you to sow. It says here, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, say rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. He's talking about giving in the same breath as Giving in the same flow. He's talking about the ministry of giving. He now says Jesus, who is the Son of God, He left His kingdom in heaven with streets of gold, with supernatural abundance. He humbled Himself and became a man. Poverty compared to where He came from. He became poor so you could become rich. Jesus became poor. To give you the grace to become wealthy. No, I don't think you get that. So there was a price paid for you to walk in abundance. 
And there is a grace available when it comes on you that will accelerate you into abundance. Say, it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. So don't start out. You see, this is where you got to check your heart. You start out in the beginning saying, I'm doing it for the kingdom. The provision comes, and then you sow it. But then when the provision keeps coming, you now say, whoa, why do I have to keep giving it? Well, would you like to go back to where you were when you didn't have the grace? Would you like the privilege of the ministry of giving be taken away from you and given to somebody else? Do you know that it's more blessed to be a giver than a receiver? I thank the Lord every day. There's moments where people call me from Africa and they say to me, Brother, help. And I'm like, why don't you guys help yourselves sometimes? What am I? Am I the bank? Am I here to fund your ministry? Sometimes I get irritated with people keep asking me for money. Anybody ever get there? Don't be a liar. Raise your hand and join me. Your kids ask you for money. Stop asking me for money. Because there's this mindset in Africa. If you can connect with somebody in America, then your ministry is set. And so you have people reach out to you from India. You have people reach out, and then they become your friends. And the minute you say hello to them, they ask you for money. It gets irritating after a while. And so the Lord checked me. And he said, who would you rather be? Would you rather be in the position to be able to be a blessing and help, or would you rather be them begging? Look at the person next to you say, I'd rather be in the position where I have the privilege to help somebody else instead of being a beggar and needing help. And then relying on people with bad attitudes to help you. Holding the giving over you like you owe them something. Say, my heart has to be pure in this thing. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Look at the person next to you. Say, you want your offering to be acceptable unto the Lord? Then you need to give it eagerly. You need to give it willingly. Free will out of your own heart. Not reluctantly or under pressure. Is this correct? The word eagerly. Let me, I looked up the word eagerly yesterday. It's a very interesting word. It's enthusiastically. You've got to be enthusiastic about your giving. Impatient desire. There's this impatient desire. I've got to give. I've got to do it. It's like a bride waiting for her wedding day. I can't wait till I'm married. It's that eagerly enthusiastic excitedness about your giving. Let me tell you when your mindset about giving changes. Look at the person next to you. Say, how will I know when I've shifted from a poverty mentality to a prosperity mentality? You say, you mean you can tell that? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you how I know. 
You'll know that your mind has changed, that you believe God's word, when you start planning to give in advance instead of showing up here on a Sunday morning and then making a decision, what should I give? You are eager, you're expecting, you're enthusiastic. It's a privilege for this ministry of giving. I know God is my source. I want to excel in the ministry of giving. I cannot wait. I'm not even going to wait till Sunday. I'm going to go online, text to give today because I can't wait for Sunday. That's when something shifts in your mindset concerning giving. Hallelujah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It says, of course, I don't mean your giving should make it life easy for others and hard for yourself. So God never wants to put you in the position where your giving, it, it steals from your, just you start struggling. God wants you to give in proportion to what you have. He doesn't want you to give reluctantly or under pressure. And if you'll give it eagerly, enthusiastically, then it's acceptable to God. Look at somebody and say there's offerings that are not acceptable to God. If he said there's an offering that is acceptable, then there are offerings which are not acceptable. You say, well, is that in the Bible? Yes. Look at Cain and Abel. Cain's offering was not accepted. Abel's was. And so you could be giving, but it's not accepted because it's not worship. Let's lay this foundation quickly before we move on. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians. Are you getting something out of this today? What I'm doing is I am building, I am building a foundation for the anointing, faith for the anointing, so you can step into this grace. So that we can move into divine increase. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. Touch the person next to you and say, There's angelic companies that speak different languages. You could get lost in that for days. But didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, I mean, all of God's knowledge, really? That's a lot of knowledge. If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Oh, verse 3 gets really good. And if I gave, he's talking about giving, Everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. I gave so much to the church. I helped so and so. But if I didn't have love, I would have gained nothing. Do you know that your giving can produce nothing in your life? Because the motive is wrong. Because it's not on the foundation of love and worship unto God. It has strings attached to it, and it's to manipulate God to do something for you. Listen, the Bible says money is a dangerous thing. The heart of man coming to money, it's a very dangerous thing. And there has to be purity in your heart when you're dealing with resources. Can you say amen? 
Because it's the only thing God compares himself to. He says, you either run after money or you run after me. Matthew chapter 6, you can read it for yourself. So the key here is I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as I do myself. And on the foundation of love, I'm going to believe God for the grace to excel in a ministry so that I can have the privilege of providing resources to fund God's will in the earth, which is for every man to be saved and for them to be discipled and equipped and raised up as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Can you say amen? Amen. Say there's a purpose for the wealth. Go back to 2 Corinthians or forward to 2 Corinthians. Go to chapter 9. It says, verse 1, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving. Say, ministry of giving. For the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager, say eager, enthusiastic, impatient desire, can't wait, how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. Say, planning in advance. In fact, it was your enthusiasm. Oh boy, here we go. It was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Look at the person next to you. Say, this is what's going to happen. When you excel in the ministry of giving, your enthusiasm and the blessing that's going to hit your life is going to stir other people up to want to walk in the same thing you're walking in. Say, it's going to move from me to others. I feel shambado, dota, idubishiga. I got that thing again. The thing we had last week, Brother Tonka. Will you run out of words for the blessing that God wants to pour out? Can we get an amen? It says, but I am sending these brothers to be sure you're re- you really are ready as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. That would be embarrassing. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some of the Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So don't make a promise to do something and then not do it. Say integrity. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own hearts how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God, say, and God. It doesn't say, and you, and any, it says, and God. Say, and God will generously provide. See, that's where the provision comes from. When you step into this place with your heart pure on the foundation of love, and you begin to say, Lord, I want to excel in the ministry of giving. God will begin to test you. Can you give the $10 on the 100 if you, can get, if you can pass that test, and then you'll, you'll check if you can do it on the 1,000. And then he'll check if you can do it on the 5,000. And he'll check if you can do it on the 10,000, the 100,000. Can I get an amen? amen. Say, so there's going to be checks along the way. He says, and God. Say, and God. 
Who's going to provide? Say it again. (laughs) I lost my place now. What verse am I on? There it is. And God will generously provide all, say all, you need. Say, God's going to meet my needs. Say, there's an anointing for my needs to be met that God will provide. Then it says, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. So there's some of you right now who operate in just meeting your needs, but this anointing is going to move you into a place where you're going to have left over. Look at the person next to you say, we're going to move from glory to glory. Say, I'm moving out of just meeting my needs to having left over. That's one phase of increase that's coming to this house. Let me show you another phase. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed. Say, God provides the seed for the sower or the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide an increase. Say, increase. He will provide and increase your resources and you will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. When we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. Say ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanksgiving to God. As a result, your ministry, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you. Do you know we have people in Africa that pray for us all the time? Two churches. Every time they text me, Pastor, we're praying for you, for the church. Thank you. Do you know that we, su- we support a school in Kenya, 54 orphans. We pay the rent on the school and we feed those kids and house those kids. That's part of what you guys are doing. Do you know that we have another school that we have in Bongoma in Kenya where there's a pastor that has orphans and we send money to them every month for their school and for what they're doing. And they're praying for you. They are thankful to God for the provision that we're sending. And it says, and they, they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflow of grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. It's a gift from God that's too wonderful for words. So family, I want to tell you today that those of you who are here that have committed to this house, you've committed to the vision, you have been faithful here. The Lord said to us that we're stepping into a season of divine increase. And last week I said that June, July, and August would be a supernatural acceleration to tap into it. And the Lord dropped this message in my heart yesterday. I wasn't expecting it, but it was delivered. And the Lord said, out of the grace that has been given unto me, that He would be imparting this grace of giving into people's lives here today, and that an acceleration is coming. 
Some of you are going to go from your needs being met into more than enough. And others are from more than enough to an abundant overflow. I want you to stand with me this morning. I was talking to Pastor Gideon this week. I felt really strong in my heart I needed to call him. He's in Kenya. And last year the Lord said to me, he said, he said to me, when you launch the Nick and Misty show, which is going to be, jeez, uh, it's taking forever to do this because it's taking forever for me to get in my house. And that's my studio. So the devil's not going to block it any longer. That's all I'm telling you. Every resistance, every blockage is breaking from us doing what God is telling us to do. And so the Lord, the Lord showed me that when we launched the Nick and Misty show, that we would begin through that program where we're going to talk about marriage, raising children, and just managing households, what it looks like to have strong families. The Lord said to me, the income that comes through that channel will be used to build churches in Africa. And Pastor Gideon has over 70 churches now that he went into a region, he preached the gospel, led people to the Lord, raised up a pastor, started a church. 70 churches in Kenya. Some of them are meeting under trees, some of them are in shacks, some of them are in buildings. But the majority of them have mud stages and mud walls. And the government last year was imposing restrictions saying, if you don't have a church with brick, then we're going to shut your church down. You can't operate. And I said, we're not going to let the government do this. We're going to stand with him. We've been friends with him and known him for years when they first started their ministry. Back in 2012, we went over to Kenya. And so the Lord said, I want you to go over there and see what they're building. Go check out the state of the churches and believe me for the resources to be able to build a brick church for every one of their churches. Now, that's outside of the realm of my ability. Are you with me? But all I do is say, God, if this is what you want done, then we're going to do it. There's a well that we need to dig. They're putting the, they had some restrictions hit the area where the government shut everything down in Turkana. We bought an acre of land there last year because they started a church there. And the place got hit by drought severely where kids and people were dying because they had no water. And we sent $10,000 over there in that season of drought. And we sent water trucks to all those villages. And we sent food to families. And we fed thousands of people. I tell you, family, we sit here in America and we are blessed. We have more than enough. And we don't realize that there are people in the world that are suffering. But we're so blinded to our own wants and our own desires, we can't see the hurts of the people around us. And my prayer is that God will break your heart for the kingdom. That you will see the work that needs to be done. And that you wouldn't just think about you and your family. But you begin to trust God for an increase and an overflow so that we can do the work of God in the earth and that we can become a blessing to the people. And so we've got an acre of land. Pastor Gideon was telling me it's becoming the main route from Sudan to Kenya, that road that that property is on. He said we need to buy more acreage out there. We're going to dig a well out there. And we're going to build schools. He, the school that he's in with 54 of the orphans, the reason he took them out of public school is because they, they've lost their parents and they've been through traumatic stuff. And so they house them in the pastor's houses. But what happened is the public school system doesn't know how to deal with these kids. So they mistreat them and they don't really care. And he said they're not flourishing in the school system. These kids are traumatized 
They're struggling in the school system, and the school has no mercy on him. So he took him out, and he said, we're going to start our own school. And he found a building. He said, will you help us with this? So we helped him. He's got the school, but now the landlord that owns the school said, we're not letting you stay here. So you've got to the end of the school year to find another place. The landlord again. Father, I pray that a wealth anointing will come on some people to buy property. That will be used for the kingdom. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to release this here today in the house. Heavenly Father. Father, you've called us to do a work. And Lord, you've already made provision for the funds. Before you called, God. Before you told us what to do in reaching children and reaching youth, God. Before you told me that we would have an international ministry. Before all of that, God. Before I was born. Before my wife was born. Before this church was a reality. Before we owned this property. Before all of it, God. You already made provision for it all. You made a way for me to get here. You gave me the, this woman and you put us together. And look what you've done, God. And you get all of the glory and all of the praise because, God, we could not do this in our own ability. And, Father, you've brought people around us that have said yes to the vision, that have said yes, we'll go reach the next generation. Yes, we'll lay a solid foundation in kids so they don't get corrupted by the craziness in the world and get derailed, God. That they will come to know you and they would walk in your glory. They will walk in the purpose that they were designed for, God. And God, I stand here today, not as a beggar, but one who understands that in the call is the fullness of provision for the work that you've called to do. And Father, I release it now. Let an impartation come of wisdom and a supernatural grace of giving be released over this house. Father, I ask that lady wisdom, that wisdom would visit them, Lord God. That you would give them plans. That you would give them blueprints. That you would give them strategies. That you would give them formulas. That you would give them witty inventions. That your favor would come upon them, Lord God. Father, that you would cause them to be abundantly increased on every side, Lord God. Let financial increase flood and overflow into their hands. To be a channel into your kingdom, Lord God. And let it be used for your plans and purposes. If you're in this place today and you're covenanting with God, then lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I covenant with you today, Lord God. And I believe you, God, for the resources and the wealth to build what you want to build, to do what you want to do, Lord God. Lord, if you put it in my hands, I'll put it into the kingdom. You can test me, God. Try me, God. Prove me, God. Use me, God, to excel in the ministry of giving. I trust you for the resources in Jesus' name. So, Father, I thank you. It's released in this house today. You opened up my eyes to so much more. I saw the scene shattering. The moment you came down.